the reading today is from Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, I don't know if it's coming up on the screen or not, but um, if you have a Bible, that's where it is. Hebrews chapter 4. A Sabbath rest for the people of God. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work, and again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. Shall we just commit this time to God? O oh Lord our God, we thank you that your word is true 
and that your word stands forever. Thank you that your word is powerful, has authority, and that it is a sword which cuts to the heart. We pray that as Stu brings your message to us, that he will fearlessly declare your word with the help of the Holy Spirit. O Lord our God, may our hearts be open to receive your word so that we may live a life worthy of your name and which honours you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. more emotional for me than I thought. Um, good morning, saints. How are we doing? We well? Good, good. So today we're going to continue our series in, uh, in Hebrews. And as I shared at the start of this uh, series, for me, it's about recognizing and acknowledging uh, the trials and tribulations that we have in our life today. And then looking to understand more of the context of difficult times experienced by those to whom this letter was originally addressed and then together through our study, look to see what learnings we can apply to our every day. Yes, this letter to Hebrews was written a long time ago, but I'm a true believer that God's word is for the everyday. And his spirit works with us and opens our eyes to how we can apply it to the here and to the now. Today's talk is entitled, The Importance of Rest. So let me start by asking you a question. How rested do you feel? Photo that probably could be taken in our house most days. But how rested do you feel? If rest is important, how good are we at abiding by that rule? Today we'll take a little look at the importance of rest, the meaning of rest here in this chapter, and why the promise of entering God's rest was a critical message to the readers of this letter at the time but also significantly how we can still cling to that promise of God's rest today. Now, I think it's fair to start by saying there would not be a doctor in the land who wouldn't agree with our talk title in the sense that getting the required amount of rest is essential to both physical and our mental well-being. When we hear the word rest, I'm sure many of us will turn straight away to the notion of simply getting enough sleep and of course, sleep is incredibly good rest. Sadly, though, not all of us sleep well. I must confess, though, I'm very blessed. In general, I do sleep well, uh, but I'm not one of those people who can sleep literally anywhere. I'll tell you who is one of those people, though, my wife, Kath. <laughs> it matters not on location or amount of sleep had the night before or even what activity has been done during the day. If Kath wishes to sleep, it's time to sleep. Particularly when traveling, it's like she's allergic to vehicle motion. But in fact, you know, the very first time I met her, uh, she was a housemate of a good friend of mine. And I, and I drove the whole household home from a corporate paintballing event that we were at. And I still, and bearing in mind, right, this car was full and I was the driver, still a stranger to her at the time. I remember looking in my rearview mirror and saying to myself, 
is that girl really asleep in my car? You know, I tried to take some credit for it with my friend. I was like, look, I've created a comfortable atmosphere. I've got an approachable demeanor. But he soon rebuked me and like, Stu, I too was struggling to stay awake with your appalling small talk. But look, the fact remains, some people can sleep anywhere to win rest. But others of us most definitely cannot. Fortunately, though, the truth is that rest is so much more than just sleep. Actually, rest is an essential part of the management and pacing of our energy and our activity. We are resting when there's minimal brain and body activity, when ultimately we are recharging. Effective resting also needs us to look at the quality rather than just the quantity of rest, ensuring you have a break between every task. So one thing that's helped me personally over the years is to think about your typical day like this bridge where every pillar on top of this bridge represents a key activity in your day. That could be physical exercise. It could be a big work meeting, a school exam maybe. Perhaps the time you pick the kids up from school and they're back around your feet again. But something significant. And we all have multiple pillars of activity during our day. So now let's think about how much resting you're taking during that typical day. So consider the periods of rest, the piles that are supporting this bridge. There are things, these are the things rather, that stop it from collapsing. If you only rest once in the morning or once in the evening, what's going to happen? Well, the bridge is going to tilt or it's going to topple one way or another. You're either going to slide downhill through your day and crash, or you're basically set up for an uphill struggle, making it very, very difficult for yourself. Or perhaps you stop once in the middle of your day, and the whole day is now balancing before collapsing. See, in this example, to maintain a strong and healthy bridge or to give the best chance of crossing that bridge during our day, as the talk title would suggest, periods of rest are essential. Neglect rest at your own peril. The thing about society today, though, is for all age groups, it's now a bit of a taboo chatting about rest. A lot of us see busy people working seemingly hard for so long we're almost overcome a feeling that as individuals well we now don't deserve rest we say look how hard that person is working i can't stop i'm doing nowhere near as much as them now sadly talking about needing rest can at times come with this shadow of shame i personally think society needs to twist its thinking on this many of us are so conditioned to prioritize the daily grind, we often miss the fact that those most rested are likely the most productive anyway. The crazy thing is it now takes courage to change and take a rest. The idea of openly resting is actually now quite daring. For Christ's church to function here at Thornhill, we need people present and able to partake. And thus we need to be making sure we look after one another and support when rest is clearly needed. Jesus did the same with his disciples. He could see them. He knew when they needed to rest. In Mark 6, verse 31, before feeding the 5,000, Jesus says, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This is a good shepherd watching over his flock. He knew how important it all was. The requirement for rest is how we are built. And we are blessed that the Bible provides us with not only a pattern of rest, 
but confidence in what we can foundationally base our rest upon. And now we start to explore more what it means entering the rest of God in this chapter. For those familiar with their Bibles, the importance of taking time out to reflect and to rest will likely be nothing new. In fact, it's highlighted very clearly in the opening books of the Bible. The understanding of taking scheduled rest on the Sabbath day, for example, is one of the core Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath day to your Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Given my opening dialogue this morning, it's important for me to jump straight in at this point and state clearly that unlike me and you, although God chose to rest on the seventh day, God did not need to rest. Nowhere in the Bible will you find the idea that God has to take a breather. It simply states that he did rest. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis, where the creation story is revealed, we find more detailed rationale where it says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work creating that he had done. God didn't rest because he needed another pile to support his bridge, like in our picture. He had completed everything. And he intended, sorry, he completed everything that he had intended to create and was satisfied with the results. He saw that it was good. There was, therefore, no need to continue with the activities previously started. This means our subject of rest here with God is based upon that of completion and not fatigue. I think often the problem is we can think of the vastness and busyness and fullness of our days and of the world out there. And we're often guilty of having a picture in our mind of the old Greek myth of Atlas. Picturing somebody seemingly struggling under the weight of everything that is happening, somehow managing to keep it all spinning. Saying to ourselves, I'm tired, but my, my God must be shattered. I, for one, often try and put things into my own experience, try and get my head around things. But here I can happily say, no. This picture is not how our God, the one true God, operates. The Bible tells us that everything is held together simply by God's spoken word. When God said, let there be light, the light appeared. He simply spoke creation into existence. Remember what Alan told us a few weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 1? The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. God isn't burdened under the weight of this world. After Jesus completed his works, he sat down. But it can be easy to forget that with everything you see going on out there. So much is seemingly 
going on with trouble and stresses at every turn. The world is busy. Life is busy. The commandment of the seventh day rest, as we cited a minute ago from Exodus, is rest founded in the completeness of activities done. And that is such a key theme for us now as we latch on to the remainder of this morning. The understanding of being able to rest even now in completeness of what Jesus Christ has already done. Jesus Christ, the exalted one who has completed the tasks that no one else can. So let's reread the first three verses of Hebrews 4 where it says this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we have believed, sorry, now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. In fact, the fact that our verses rather start with the word therefore implies it's a carry-on from the end of chapter 3. And there it was noted that it was unbelief that halted a generation who escaped Egypt from entering the promised Canaan. And as such, we have a lesson learned to learn here to not let our own unbelief stop us from entering what God has promised us. And the great news is, is that that promise is the same today as it was when this letter was written, in that we have the promise from God that we can enter his rest. So how do we do that, I hear you ask? And the answer is through our own personal faith. We can enter God's rest by faith. If it's unbelief that will make us fall short of the rest, then it's faith that will see us through. And that's the rub here. The reminder that it is our belief and our acceptance of the gospel message and what Christ has done that makes the difference. Our faith in the fact that although it is us who have done wrong, Christ, the Son of God, has died for our sins rose again triumphant over his enemies so there is now no condemnation no judgment for those of us who believe our writer this letter of hebrews goes on in verses seven and eight and says this god again set a certain day calling it today this he did with a long time later he spoke through david as in the passage already quoted today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Our writer is saying that if what Joshua is promising was the complete and full intention of God, then why would God have mentioned later on through David the principle, being able, sorry, the principle of being able to enter God's rest today. If God's rest wasn't available for us today to accept through our present day belief in him and what Jesus has done, then none of what David was saying would have made any sense. God's rest has to be available now. Thus, 
do not harden your hearts to the gospel truth. We are to hear and believe. And so when reading this, we can ask, why is it so important to mention to this readership the ability to also rest from their works? And the answer comes in the context of the comparative Jewish faith versus the practice of Christianity or Christ's followers. As we said at the start this morning, the principle of resting from our labors and a hard day's work needs little introduction. We all agree it's welcome and essential for our mental health and our well-being. But the rest on offer here is not simply taking a break from tasks, but the ultimate rest in the very core of our being and how we live our lives focused on how we are saved. You see, everything about the day-to-day lives of the Jewish people was driven by the law and upholding the law by works and by doing. The context is a nation that were constantly being told by those in power, you want to see, if you want God to see you as righteous, you must do this. You should do this. You need to do this. Why, why haven't you done this? What's wrong with you? All the while, the writer of Hebrews is now communicating the message of Jesus Christ and is saying, stop. Jesus is saying, stop trying to work your way to me. All this isn't needed now. Rest from these works. Rest upon the knowledge of the work I have already finished. What you are doing is exhausting. Trying to gain salvation, trying to become righteous in this way. And you don't have to because of what I've already done. What is already complete. Now before you start citing me in this talk this morning as a reason to be lazy. Entering God's rest through our belief doesn't mean there is no longer any place for doing good works. Filling our days with activities that help forward the kingdom. Or simply trying to do our best at work or at school. But rather the idea is that there is no longer any place for our works as a basis for our own righteousness. Our works will not earn us salvation. It will not earn a place in heaven. No matter how many tasks we do, no matter how hard we seemingly work, it will not generate any golden ticket. When we put our faith in Christ, we have ceased from our works as God did from his. The cessation from works as the basis of salvation fulfills our Sabbath rest. God rested from his works on the original Sabbath, as we mentioned back in Genesis chapter 2, because the work was finished. We cease now from self-justifying works because Jesus finished the need for that on the cross. Having faith in what Christ has done, then, is crucial. As these verses tell us, the gospel was preached to both Jew and Gentile alike, but hearing God's word isn't enough. Ancient Israel heard the word, but it didn't profit them because they did not receive it with faith. Hearing gave them the opportunity, but they could only enter the rest that comes with the word when it's mixed with their own personal faith and their acceptance. So let me pause on this logic for a second and get into the practical. So how do we genuinely embrace a life 
and I live a life, rather, of faith in this rest? And the answer is through the person of the living Jesus. So today, I'm going to have the absolute privilege of baptising my eldest and incredibly mature young girl, outwardly showing her faith and belief in what Jesus has done, and amen to that. But let me tell you now, when Ava was two years old, she was a terror, (laughs) and she would not sleep. We said at the start of this that sleep is great rest. And you don't get and when you don't get any rest, days go downhill fast and you get grumpy and you get emotional. So when I had that grumpy and emotional two year old come to me, I had a couple of options. I could have sat down in front of her and given her all the logic. Well, Ava, you didn't sleep again last night, did you? Thus, you haven't had the rest that your growing body needs, which is making you tired and angry, substantially stopping you from eating, which is making you hungry. And this is all a downward spiral. And that's why you're sat opposite me crying again. I could have done that. The truth is that as as satisfying as that would have been for me, it would not have done her much good at all. Rather, reaching out my arms to protect her, to shield her, to comfort her, to create the perfect place for her to get what she needed, which was rest, was actually the right answer that she craved. Comfort from her father created an environment to rest within, and it's what made her happy again. And you know what I think Jesus knows, we're still all very similar to that. It's in his arms that we find rest. Rest from God is there in the form of arms open wide for us to run into. But God does not, and he will not, force it upon us. We must choose to enter the rest that is entered by faith. Faith is not passive. It takes trust to cling to Jesus and his work completed for us, especially when the going gets tough out there. You know, we are blessed that the Bible is littered with verses of promises from Jesus that he is there for us to rest upon. Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. At the time of writing this book of Hebrews, the place must have been littered with the weariness and burdens of man-made efforts through works to reach God's rest. Following the law was one thing, but the leaders of the day were also shocking at adding their own religious rules and man-made practices on top of that as well, making it even more burdensome for the Jewish people to adhere strictly to the law. This letter was written to distraught Christians who were tempted to revert back to the old Jewish system. And thus our writer emphasizes the superiority of the new covenant over the old. It's in this context we find the message that God's rest is now associated with trusting in Christ. Thank God for his grace. Every one of us who is burdened by sin and striving to earn salvation through works 
should heed Christ's invitation and accept his rest, breaking free from sin and placing all hope in Christ's death and resurrection. The thing is, I know, you will go out this door and within 30 seconds realize that resting isn't easy. That's why it's a practice. It's deliberate. It's an intentional choice that needs commitment. As God's church, we should be able to practice fantastic rest. As ours is the new covenant story. One that reverses the priority of self-rule and focuses on the finished work of Jesus Christ. See, the central character in Earth's story, believe it or not, is not us. But it's God. And he never sleeps. Making sure we claim God's rest today actually helps us to stop putting works and deeds at the center of our lives and puts God in the rightful place of ruling our lives. It forces us to realize that working hard 24 by 7 is not the only means of our provision. We live in a world where true rest is possible because God is not only awake, but has already done the work required for our salvation. If there is no God, then hanging on after the service for cake may not be the best idea for you, because we need to get back out there, because essentially it's all on us. But if what Jesus did on the cross is true, and I truly believe that it is, then we have not just been saved from works, but also the idea that everything is reliant upon me. I, for one, take rest in knowing that Jesus is sat down at the right hand of the Father, having completed his works. The Lamb wins. God has given us rest for our own physical good, yes, but it's also there as an eternal source of comfort. Shall we pray together? Lord, we thank you for this joyous day <laughs> and the reminder from your word of the amazing works that you have done for us upon that cross. Lord, we thank you for the promise of spending eternity with you for all of us who believe. Lord, I pray that we leave here and during our busy lives will turn to you as our source of rest this week. Lord, grab with, let us grab with both hands that promise that you have given to us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.